What up, though? Welcome to the Fat Boy MMA Podcast, where we talk about everything combat sports, but mainly MMA. If you want to hear a couple regular MMA fans talk about MMA history, notable fighters, up-and-coming fighters, and everything in between, then this is the podcast for you. Now, I should warn you, we're not professionals, but we are big fans of combat sports. Now, if that sits good with you, grab a beverage, sit back, relax, and let's go. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Fat Boy MMA Podcast. I am your host, DC. And of course, I got my co-host here with me, Locke. Hey, how's it going, everyone? So, we have two special guests in the building, and they were both on the last podcast, and we're doing something that we haven't done before. We actually are having a part two to one of our podcasts, and I'll explain why in a bit. But let me go ahead and let you know who we got on the podcast. So we have a returning guest that has been on more podcasts than anybody else other than myself and Locke. We have TJ back on the podcast. Hey, everybody. How's it going? And, of course, we have Holiday. Uh, He was on the last one also. And uh, as I said, you know, he's one of those favorites, so we had to have him back. But now we're having them back for fisticuffs. <laughs> Say what's up to the people, Holiday. What up, though? Okay, so the reason why we are doing this part two, um, I felt like on the last one, which was the men's pound for pound, I felt like a lot of people uh, had more to say. In particular, there was a couple times where Holiday wanted to jump in and say something, and I kind of halted it a little bit because we try to follow a format where we stay under an hour, kind of get everything out, but I felt like more was needed. Uh, So I kind of reached out to everybody and asked them what they thought about a part two where I didn't have any specific agenda, you know, no specific questions or anything like that. And it would allow everybody to ask any questions, do any rebuttals, anything like that, that they want to do or anything that they forgot to throw in from the last uh, podcast. So before I kick this off, I do want to clarify one thing that I noticed when I was listening back to the other podcast, I think may have been lost in the, um, you know, the pound for pound definition. And, um, I'm not going to read it again. You can go back and listen to the men's pound for pound, or you can go back and listen to the Amanda Nunez uh, pound for pound episode um, to hear that, that definition. But one of the things that I thought was lost a little bit before we even get to skill for skill, a lot of other things are looked at in that person to even get them to that point. So if you remember the whole thing of how it came about was that Sugar Ray Robinson was so good and he was dominating everybody. So he already had all of these things that it's no point in going down the road or talking about that because he had it. He was dominating. He was beating everybody. He looked unbeatable. And that's what brought upon, you know what? Let's compare him against other people because there's obviously no comparison in the weight class that he's in based upon what he's able to do to other people. So the main point I want to, want to make sure, and this touches on something that you mentioned too, holiday, when you talked about um, a lot of times when you look at smaller fighters, you would, you know, their skill level, you would automatically say they would beat the bigger guy because they have so much stuff, right? The biggest guy to heavyweight 
that beats everybody up, he's the baddest man on the planet, period. He's going to demolish everybody else in those lower weight classes. That's why this is a, you know, a mythical type of deal to say, hey, but what if a guy with this skill level went up against him? But we're only talking about people that are at the top of the heat. So when, you know, you throw in other things like strength of schedule, who they beat, what they can do, their record, all of that kind of goes without saying to me because we're only talking about people at the top of the heat. There's a very skilled, you know, flyweight that's ranked number 20. He's not going to be in this conversation, <laughs> right? So I just wanted to clarify that before we opened it up because it sounded like that was missed in translation a little bit. And I'm actually just going to open up the floor. So I know everybody had a chance to kind of review the last podcast and come up with different things, jog their memory about whatever they may have wanted to say. So literally, I'm going to open up the floor for anybody that wanted to uh, bring up a point, present something, an argument, anything like that. If nobody wants to go first, of course, I got mine. <laughs> well, before we even get into that, the one thing that I wanted to say is I'm glad that we're even having this issue, that we got to fire this back up to discuss it again. Because if you remember, when we discussed the women's pound for pound, that shit was such a train wreck. Like, you got you got ladies that are coming off of back-to-back losses in the top five. It, it, you know, it was right. it was tough. So, yes. when we were discussing that, I kind of checked out the men's pound for pound for a second. And this is a much a much more pleasant discussion to be having as opposed to discussing disaster records and how you ra- how you rank them. <laughs> I agree. Plus, I think, you know, based on the last conversation, everybody had somebody that wasn't listed on SureDog or UFC's pound for pound, and I think they were all good arguments. And I think... As, I, think I think as long as Davidson Figueroa is on anybody's pound for pound, it's an illegitimate list. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I think, DC, you were the only one that got to say all 10, though, right? Didn't the rest of us only do the top five? Because I know I only did my top five. Yeah, you ran off five. I think yours was pretty quick. The issue was TJ uh, did a dissertation and uh, <laughs> and then Holiday dived in and was like, listen, your dissertation wasn't quite long enough. Can I get some more? And then, you know, so that's what kind of happened. <laughs> but anybody I was that trying, wants I was to... trying to pass my senior exam, man. Come on. <laughs> Anybody that wants to run off their full top 10 list, like I said, today's open. You can do that also, you know, whatever you guys got. I would go into like my six through 10, but like it's been a second. So like now I have to go through and look at the list again and reformulate it. I'll, I'll throw one thing out there. And I think uh, I called out the Max Holloway thing. Holiday asked me about it. It was like, you know, how do you have, how would you have him for pound for pound? Number one if you think he didn't lose those two fights. And I, I feel like I didn't dig deeper into it, but just to kind of give you guys some of uh, my thought process. One, besides being 100% biased, because I'm a huge Max Holloway fan, I still feel like if you didn't do enough to convincingly win a decision, like if a decision, like while while I think Volt has never beat Max in my personal opinion, I still think Max left it close enough that there was room for a judge to misinterpret a decision in that point. And I think that's what keeps me from giving him that number one pound for pound in my book. I think had he have won that fight, not a lot of people would be really pushing back on him being in that number one, two or three spot. I definitely agree with that. So my thing on that was 
and I get it, right? But it's like, let's say you be like, okay, I had them, I would have had them number one, but because of this, that, and third, I got them two or three. It seems like it's relatively speaking when you're only doing a top 10, a jump from one to four seems to be a pretty big jump, especially when you think that the person actually won. And we're talking, um, we're, we're talking skill set and not necessarily records, right? So we know that records are a part of it, but as we said before, you know, I can't think of nobody right now, but you might have somebody that's on a crazy win streak, but they beat a bunch of nobody, so their record is blah, 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 irrelevant, you know, type of a deal. So it seems to be weird that you would jump from one to four. But the funny part is after thinking about it, I think that's the rest of, like, I think you ESPN, you see what I'm saying? Because that's what ESPN do with Kobe. They were like, Kobe is the closest thing to Jordan. So what number is he? 10. Like, wait a minute. So you got Jordan 1. You say Kobe is the closest thing to Jordan, but he's 10. I don't get it. <laughs> let, let me say something before TJ dive back in. Because, um, as you know, Volkanovski is on my list. And Max isn't on my list. So, <clears throat> for similar reasons, right? But... um. I think the, the, the way that I look at it, and it, it's really similar to what, um, you know, what TJ said, but also going back to me re-clarifying, you know, the definition of pound for pound, right? All of those other things, it's not that they're not factors. Your record has to be a factor. It's just we're measuring you once you get to a point where you've checked all these other boxes where we have to measure you against other people or – to what TJ was saying in the last one where he said, uh, which I, I don't believe, especially right now, that Russia is attacking people. I do not believe I want to go on record saying Fatboy MMA and DC does not believe that that uh, 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 could be retired to Duck Usman. I just want to say that. Uh, shout out to Khabib and all of Russia. <laughs> but on a serious note, I think um, I think you should bleep out any terms of Russia, Russian, or Russian attacking people if you're putting this on YouTube. Otherwise, no one will hear this. As yes, Khabib, really close to the microphone. <laughs> but to the to the point of Khabib what I was ducked Kobe and Usman. <laughs> So, that's how, that's always how when you know TJ's about to be condescending as fuck. He gets real close to the mic. <laughs> so in the um, imagine working with me. <laughs> so in the um, in that what I think when I look at it right, Volkanovski hasn't lost in the UFC. That record that plays a factor, right? And he's beat a lot of the same people that Max beat, but also he has that edge over Max. It would be very hard for me to have you as a champion and no losses in the UFC and you can't even crack the top 10 of the pound for pound list when you've beat UFC legends, right? Even if they were close fights. And so to TJ's point, although those fights were close, I think the difference is especially, and I kind of made this point last time, especially when you're the bigger man, I expect you to be able to close out, especially that second fight, right? I can give you a close first fight. You got to be able to make the right adjustments to close out that second fight. And when you can't do that, 
The first fight may have dropped you a notch or two. The second fight has to drop you more than that, right? And and um, that actually leads me over to something I was going to say to you, Holiday, that uh, I mentioned, but I don't think I, I said the right things to clarify. When we were talking about reach and I was talking about Max being the bigger man, and you said basically on the teletape, uh, Volkanovski had the, the longer reach, which I didn't go and find the teletape. I'm just taking you at your word that he had the longer reach. And the part that I, I alluded to, but I don't think I did a good job of qual- uh, you know, qualifying, especially if you don't already know this, not meaning you, but a person. Reach is measured with your arms out, stretched out like a T, and your fist balled up and it's fist to fist. So it goes all the way across your back. It's not your arm length, right? So if you have a very wide back and short arms, you can have a longer reach than somebody else with a short back and long arms. But that lo- that larger back plays well in grappling. Those longer arms play better in striking, especially when you're talking about boxing, which is what Max does. And you combine that with how he turns over his punches where his shoulder comes forward, it gives him that much longer of a reach. That's basically what I was trying to say before, but I don't think I did a good job of saying it. And a lot of people may not know how reach is calculated, but that's actually how it's calculated. It's your arms out in the T and it's going all the way across from end to end, not your actual arm length, which makes a big difference in striking. Got you. Yeah, that that makes sense. No, I did know that. To you didn't ask me a question, but to answer the question, I did know that it was literally just one of those things. I had just watched the fight, and I was like, one of the first thing they said, even though Holloway is a taller man, he is the blah blah blah. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I was about to say something else, but the other brother got <laughs> said he had the uh, <laughs> said he had the reach. Uh, but what I was going to say about your um, what's that? You said that. Um, but Volk, you know, he's undefeated in the UFC and then he beat legends. When you say legends in this context, are you meaning legends, meaning like they're not just let, how do I explain it? Skillful legends at their time. And the reason why I asked, I had his, what's the name up, which I'm trying to go back to find it. And I just freaking had it up. But I'm gonna try to go off of memory. It was like I think he he mm-hmm. fought Ortega. Um. Okay, just it. Okay, yeah. So he bought he fought Chan Sung Young, mm-hmm. Brian Ortega, Max Holloway twice, Otto Mendez, Derek Elkins, Jeremy Kennedy, and how far back? I don't want to go too far back. He hasn't fought. Um, he hasn't fought the uh, Korean Zombie yet. The Young. That's, that's the fight, fight coming up. Oh, that's that's yeah. coming up. Okay. Yeah, yeah he yeah, got yeah. a young got a title shot. Got it, got it. Okay, yeah. So so Brian Ortega, Max Holloway twice, Aldo, Mendez. I'm assuming off of your statement, you're classifying Holloway and Aldo, or are you also giving Mendez the legend status too in Ortega? Um, I I don't think Ortega has reached kind of that legend status, but in general, when we're talking about, you know, top of the heap type guys. I think every one of those guys are dangerous. Every one of them has either won the title or been in title contention. I'm saying to go through that or run through those guys 
and you know being a UFC undefeated overall record 23 and one or whatever it is I'm saying that's a that's a big feat and be the title holder and you beat the last two title holders and I don't know if you guys just seen Chad Mendez at bare knuckle He's a fucking yeah, legend. And, yeah listen he got his supplements back we need supplements back in the UFC that's all no, I'm gonna say that was, that's eczema <laughs> medication that's topical <laughs> eczema medication it just so happens to make you look extremely muscular for a 5 foot tall man that's all hey that's give all. him the supplements but the question you alluded to in the beginning that I think as to where you were going holiday um, do I think that he beat them in their prime uh, although wasn't in his prime, Chad Mendez wasn't in his prime. Holloway, yes. Um, Ortega, yes. But it's another one of those things where if you come into a division and you stay and you wait for people to get old, I knock you for it. If you come into the division and beat everybody in the top of the division, they just happen to have gotten old during that time, I don't knock you for it. That's the John Bones Jones argument. So, oh, well, everybody was, oh, yeah, he destroyed all these guys. They got older when he came. It's not like he waited and ducked people. He had, uh, like, a, a couple fights in the UFC and then fought for the title. And then every single person that came up as that number one contender status, he knocked down to the point they start bringing people in. You know, you got had people, you know, coming from other weight classes to come and try to, you know, fight. So I think that if you're – Already, if you come to a division and you beat everybody that's there and you win that title and you defend that title and you're beating number one contenders and some of them happen to be old, but they're still at the top of the heat. I don't knock you for that at all. Got you. I'm with you. I, 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 uh, I line up what you're saying. It's, um, I don't know. I look at his fights or whatever. Um, and I didn't do like a go because, I mean, my objective wasn't come here to talk about him at all, actually. <laughs> um, so I didn't like go back and through and watch his fights. Obviously, as we know from the last one, I believe he lost both to Max Holloway. Um, but I understand TJ's point, uh, even though I should say his full government name. But I understand uh, TJ's point when he's saying, okay, well, basically, <laughs> it's your job to to finish it, especially if you feel like you got robbed the uh, first time. So I think that's a fair point, even though I, I clearly think that he lost both of those fights. Um, and Ortega, I think is good. But to your point earlier, I don't really look at him as like, you know how like when champions go on a run, I, I give a better example. Everybody on here know I did not like losing. I mean, technically I still don't like him, but it's not, you know, undeniable or whatever. Um, and I, I literally didn't think that he had a chance against Willie, honestly. Um, I thought Willie was going to beat him up pretty bad. I was really upset after that fight. Um, and it had nothing to do with Usman. It was my head. It was all Willie just laid there. I mean, obviously we did see where Willie went from there, but he did that. And then after that, it's like, okay, boom, he come back. And then it was like everybody else. He was like, really? And I'm like, okay, he really is kind of putting in that work and he's really you know i'm hitting the tape my bad um he's he's really beating people beating people decisively i literally thought he was going to have that title with woodley and then probably lose it you know what i mean i didn't think that he was going to be as good as he was 
And I was more so surprised than I think so. Whereas in when I see Volk, even though he's winning, it's not that I don't think he's good. Once again, we're all talking right now, top of the top type stuff. But he don't jump off the screen to me like that. It's a lot. I shouldn't say a lot because I know you got more kind of backpack on you for this one. But it's like how you used to always talk about uh, Hen and Burrell. And he would be like, yeah, I mean, he beating everybody, but I mean, he don't really like he that good to me. I'm not quoting you accurately, but to kind of get the point, you can kind of clean up if you want to. That's kind of how I feel about um, Volk when I watch his fights. Because um, it's like Ortega to me, is it's not like it's like a good win. It's a good win. You know, I mean, he beat my boy, but everybody's been beating him lately as well. The, the wins just don't seem as that. But when you do turn it around, Max Holloway was having great wins. And then his two losses, which were wins, was there. But to the point, you destroying people to have this fight close enough that it's even up in the air must show some type of something, I guess, skill set. Yeah, let me so let me comment on your uh hen and morale and what I think is so different between him and Volkanovsky. Uh Hennen, my argument was him was he was being crowned based on what he did outside of the UFC, in my opinion. And when I looked at him skill for skill, the amount of flaws that I saw compared to what I felt like was in that division that he just hadn't faced yet told me that he's not going to be champion. He just hasn't got exposed yet, which is exactly what happened, right? Volkanovski is fighting the top of the heat. He beat the last two champions. That wasn't the case with Hen and Burrell. It's not like he was running through champions or maybe having a close fight or whatever. He wasn't, that, that division was in a bit of a disarray at the time. And it's not like he was running through, uh, you know, Cruz was out. There were so many people that wasn't there that he didn't fight and take the crown. Cruz is so, always out. <laughs> so he didn't fight and take the crown and then all of a sudden start beating these legends. Or there was nobody as dangerous as Brian Ortega there that he beat. Brian Ortega is absolutely dangerous. He's lost to two men. The two last, the current champion and the champion before that, right? And I think... I think he would have beat Volkanovski had Max not broken him. I think we talked about this in the fight group. That was one of those fights where that was kind of like a Junior Dos Santos, um, uh, Cain Velasquez fight where I think Brian Ortega left something in that ring of that Max fight having too much heart. You know what I mean? So I just want to, I'm just saying that to say the difference between the two. I think Max, I I think Volkanovski is legit. I still think he lost both of those max fights. But once again, you can't fight a man once, lose a decision, and then fight him. Neither one had a a gap in between. They fought each other the very next fight. And then you and Max don't come and bring it and show something different to make a definitive statement. It's your own fault at that point in time if you lose. And that's the reason why. I can't really knock Volkanovski for that. Although I think Max is the better fighter if we're talking about looking at him on paper, them fighting 10 times the whole nine. But when we look at what Volkanovski has done in the division, his record, all of that, and then once again, we're talking about pound for pound and he's fighting a bigger man, I have to give him the edge on that. 
Well, I think it's it's obvious we're all a little biased because we're 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 Max fans. So you know there is that, but I think uh, holiday holidays anti Volk super bias showed <laughs> when he said he didn't even look at his little fights or whatever. Like, okay, we get it, but come on, man. You know them little fights, man. You know them little. Them like, little. if this was a court of law, like, your whole shit would have just got thrown out. Like, okay, you know what? Strike that off from the record. So, but look, though, like, one of the more interesting aspects of, and I think everybody's touching on this when you think about it, right? Like, you know, DC made the most prominent point. Y'all fought back. You fought back to back two times and you didn't change what you brought to the cage. Neither one of them did. Right. But it's like if I'm Max Holloway and I felt like I got robbed, I'm going to come out there and definitively put an end to this fight. While I may think he did enough to do that, I still feel like he only lost those decisions based off of his last couple of fights leading up to those Volkanovski fights. Right. I felt like everybody walked into that Volkanovski fight thinking you know, Max is about to embarrass this man again. So Volk did just enough to stay in there and make it to the decision that the judges, in my opinion, was like, well, he survived, so therefore he won. Like, as that's the way I feel about those fights. The funny thing, you know, DC caught out in terms of uh, Ortega being broken. I don't necessarily know if he was broken uh, fundamentally, like, to a Dos Santos level. I do think he has... Is going to sound silly, but I think he has PTSD, right? And I think the minute it started to feel like he was getting brutalized again, he started going back into that dark place and he couldn't figure out how to get out of it. And then by the time it was over, by the time he kind of got to like started realizing that the fight was over, you know what I'm saying? I feel like I need to see Ortega in two more like really solid fights. Like, what the, like let's say he takes on Calvin Cater next, right? Two people that have been victimized by Holloway. Like, let's see where he comes out on that scenario before I call him broken. But, yeah, that's my take on Volk. And to Jeremy, uh, to Locke's point, Jesus Christ, to Locke's point, like, they were little fights because he's not special. So, yeah. Let me say this. This is what T-City should have did. And I'm going to say this for Locke because this is what Locke says every podcast. He should have went to EBI. <laughs> he shouldn't fight for like two years. He should just go grapple for a while. As a matter of fact, what is what's today? This weekend? Yeah, this weekend there's an EBI event on Sunday. By the way, like I sent you something. Uh there's a big wrestling event going down in Detroit, I think Saturday or something like that. And uh I didn't know if you were gonna watch it or not, but especially if uh if uh uh Carson's gonna watch it, that might be a good one to uh to uh have a have a uh you know have a cast on but i just wanted to throw that in there Locke was gonna tell him to go to eddie bravo and go grapple if 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 it's not uh like wwe back when stone cold was wrestling you cut out whatever your last words were you muted yourself because you knew it wasn't right I bet you said don't nobody care about wrestling. If it ain't Stone Cold and the Rock and the Hay, they don't nobody care. <laughs> okay, so if nobody has anything to throw out, I have this one for Locke. So Locke, I'm gonna need Locke to put some respect on my boy DJ's name. So I forgot to give him the rebuttal. 
when he basically disrespected DJ on so many levels, said he shouldn't be pound for pound, and he said he's the same as, he shouldn't be on the list because he's the same as John Bones Jones. He ain't fought. And it was just so disrespectful. And so I got like 600 points. <laughs> so I, I knew this was coming. I brought, I have my DJ page up ready to go because I knew yeah, this was going to okay, come. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm, clap, I'm rubbing my hands together like it, Mr. It was Miyagi. as predictable as I knew that you had one fighters on your pound for pound list. You're a very simple guy, man. You're not complicated. Hey, I try to do what I can for everybody, you know. But let me say this. First of all, I mentioned several times that he was fighting a much bigger man. I don't think I got that point across by saying it. Let me explain. In the UFC, he originally fought at 135 because there was no 125. 125 was made for him because he's such a small man. He's 5'3". And he was having problems with these bigger guys. When he went over to 1, he went back to 135. The names are the same, but the weight classes are not. If everybody remembers, just like over in Japan, they'll have similar names, but the weight won't be the same. So everything that's in the UFC right now, add 10 pounds to it, and that is the equivalent over in 1. Okay, so saying that to say he's fighting at 135. Now, to get a picture of how large Adriano is, if you look at pretty much everybody in in um, in the current Bantamweight division in the UFC, he's bigger than everybody except for Sanhagen. Right. (laughs) He's bigger than everybody except for Sanhagen. So. You know, when you factor that in, once again, for the size of of looking at, you know, what he was going up against, that's a huge factor. Okay, now, as far as him not fighting, we got to remember there was an event that happened (laughs) in 2020. We had people getting sick from drinking Heineken's. (laughs) We had the Heineken sickness going in 2020. Okay, exactly. As Holiday sipping on a Heineken. <laughs> so we had the Heineken sickness go on in 2020. He was scheduled to fight. He had one. So when he went over to one, he won three fights in a row and became their tournament champion. Okay. He had the belt. But now they have a tournament champion and a regular champion. And the tournament champion now gets to fight for whoever has that belt. Hence, they made the fight. The fight was made for April 2020. They canceled the events. Now, they end up picking back up events later. But what happened was there was still a travel ban, especially all throughout Asia. He couldn't get over there to fight. So they postponed the fight for both men and both men sat and waited. And neither fought in 2020 because they were waiting for the matchup. Not the same at all as JBJ, because as we know, the UFC continued to fight. They missed, what, one, two events at the most, and, and they was like, Dana White was like, no, nah, we're going to fight Island. We're fighting. JBJ chose not to fight. That's very different. DJ has never retired, and he has continued to fight every fight that they put in front of him, including being scheduled, I think, next month, he's scheduled for a kickboxing or Muay Thai fight, okay? Um... Also, if we go back to the record, since Locke says he has the record pulled up, 
You know, we're going to put some respect on this name, right? So as we know, um, uh, you have to go back to the Cruz fight um, initially um, for him to actually lose a fight. And then he loses a split decision to Henry Cejudo, which was his last fight in the UFC. We've talked about that. Which we talked about it on the last one. Yeah, I think so. But we'll just go he for what's with, on paper. With two blown knees and a broken foot, right? <laughs> we'll he just go for what's on paper, though. So he lost that one. He came back and won three more fights in a row at a bigger weight class, higher weight class at 135. And then he fought the champion. And that was a clear loss, a KO. It, 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 nothing else to be said about that one, right? That was a clear loss. But once again, when I look at that resume, and then I also compare him to both the UFC's 135 and 125 division, are you really saying it's that many people that are better than him where he can't fit in your top 10 list of of UFC fighters? I mean, do, can we really say pound for pound Volkanovski's better than DJ? No, heck no. Stop well, it. we know Stop you it. can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, to my point, I'm saying that, and, and, you know, not for the list itself, but it's more the argument, even if you have Volkanovski ahead, it's more the argument of saying he literally can't fit on your top 10 with that type of resume. So now, Can you... with everything that I – go ahead. Sorry. Yep, go ahead. Not that I'm going to make this argument, but could there be an argument made that he's not – he left the organization and started fight, fighting lower-tier talent or opposition? So did he leave the organization to go to a smaller league where he was now the big dog and it was easier for him to get these wins? Did he run away from competition? I feel like those are the sort of things that people kind of bring up when they say whether or not he's fallen off of that GOAT list, that current GOAT. I think he's still all-time. Mm-hmm. I just wonder if those are elements that we should weigh in as we start talking about him. If they were true, I would say let's weigh him in. But you got to remember what happened. The UFC felt like they couldn't market him. They traded him. If you remember, they traded him for uh, uh, for Ben Askren. Trash. It's not like it's not like he said, "Hey, I want to go and I want to leave and I need to fight somebody else." He was always ready, willing, and able to fight whoever multiple times, whatever. Right. It, it became the thing where they wanted to trade him because they wasn't even sure if they were going to keep 125 because they didn't know how to market him. So I think that's a very different situation. I, than thought, I thought the narrative was that he was essentially requesting to go there or be released. And they, instead of releasing him, they got Ben Askren. Not that I'm aware of. I know that they were having some general disputes. But once again, it went back to being marketed. The whole argument was about him being marketed and getting that that big look. And, of course, as we've talked about before, and I, I forget which uh, podcast we talked about it on, but, uh, you know, his, his coach and mentor was over at one, so that would be an easy transition, you know, and one had, uh, they got a lot of guys his size. He wasn't going to have an issue getting a fight at 125 or 135. It wasn't one of those things where, okay, this 125, if you decide to fight there, it's not going to exist anymore, right? A lot of that was taken off of the table. So um, so I don't think that that's number one. And number two, I don't think that uh, one is weaker competition, it, particularly when we talk about the smaller guys. I don't think UFC has ever had the best smaller small guys. Uh, it, it, in my book, 
most of the other promotions that I've seen, especially a lot of the Asian promotions, when you get to that 125, 135, and it's not because I don't think the UFC is good in that category. I think they're great. I think it's that other places were incubating those guys for longer. Whereas if we remember for a long time, uh, 155 and at one point in time, 170 was the lowest you can go in the UFC. As we know, that's how your Aldos and your Cruises and those guys kind of came over as champions because they bought another division. They bought uh, WEC and they kind of split it. They left all the higher weight classes in the UFC all the lower weight classes in the WEC. And then finally they had a merge over and then they start taking guys from other areas. But um, in the Asian countries, they've always had spectacular small guys. So I don't know, unless we see a clash, I don't know that he went to a weaker place to fight. Especially if you add in steroids. But um, I definitely want to hear Facts. a locker rebuttal to you because, you know, you know, y'all kind of went and it was it was silent. But all I was gonna say was the reason why he doesn't have a re- <laughs> the reason why the UFC didn't have the greater um, smaller guys yet because they was waiting for Uriah Faber to come and make all of them. So you know, Uriah Faber came. He's like, we're gonna get all the small guys. We're gonna put them in one gym, and then we're gonna farm the UFC out. But I, I want to let Lock go ahead and jump in here. I don't want to let him get you know, but before Lock go. That is actually true. Everybody need to put some respect on Faber's name. He single-handedly kept the little guys fighting in the Americas because they would be all but gone if it wasn't for Uriah Faber. Put some respect Yo, on I, his name. I actually, Not that this is the conversation we're having. I do think if we would ever have a breakdown of the most disrespected sort of legends in the UFC or in MMA, I think Uriah Faber is like right in that top 10. Like You almost never hear about him. And just in any conversation, I think people forget, I don't know if it's the Aldo fight or his UFC run, just how high end he was at when he was, you know, making waves, right? WEC days. Um, so that's, that's a lot. I got to reprocess <laughs> all of this to try and go back. So the first thing, when I, when I made the comparison to John Jones, I didn't mean that they were choosing the same motives for inactivity so i understand the situation and he's fighting where there's a travel ban i get all that i didn't mean it like oh yeah because i mean you know john John jones is always on some bullshit that's not dj's case so i didn't mean it from the aspect of they're doing it for the same reasons i just meant when you look at sheer volume of fights and i do think and i know it's unpopular and i know you're real high on one that I think it was a step back in competition. I feel like it is. I There's no way we can go about it because you're going to say it's not. I'm going to say it is. I will say, looking at their rankings, he did fight the top guys they have over there. And we always say you can only fight the guys that are in front of you. And he's beating yes. them. And looking at it, the guys he's fought over there are their top guys. But I just think that when we're looking at right now the pound for pounds... You know, now if we're talking about like an all time, I'm a big DJ guy. I'm a big fan of his run. I think he won the Cejudo fight. And I, I do think it was kind of bullshit, the, the trade over to one. But I think all parties kind of won. You know what I mean? The, the, 
the UFC flyweight division, you know, got to do some new shit with like Moreno and stuff like that. Um, Triple DJ, C, put some respect on his name. What's that? Triple oh. C, the king yeah. of cringe, put some respect on his name. Um, I think DJ's doing just fine and he's fighting somewhere where they appreciate small fighters. So it did well for him. So, um, but I just think when you look at the activity, so he didn't fight, you know, all through 20, the last fight he had, he got knocked out. I get that he's a bigger dude, but I mean, that that's what you're doing. I know I said when Israel went up and lost to Jan that I don't want to take people taking chances and moving up in divisions against them, but that wasn't him jumping up a division for a fight. That's in his division. That's the division he's fighting in over there that he lost at, you know? So it is what it is. If they're too big, cut the weight. I don't know what to tell you. That's the division you're choosing to fight in. Um, And and the other thing is, you know, sometimes I just be saying shit. You know what I mean? I'm not like a a guy that puts a lot of thought into stuff before I just be blurting shit out. I so, love that. Listen, you can just end it right there. Let's end the whole podcast. I, I love that one. <laughs> oh, man. Just so the audience know, everybody's dying laughing. Everybody else is just muted. But <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, that's funny. I could definitely dig it. I uh, I think the well, – A, I think that him being traded to one is definitely some BS. I think that he suffered from being too good for his own good because they said they couldn't market him or what they used to always say was that he don't sell fights basically. Right. There, there was no, no excitement around him. And I think they kind of proved that because you see more excitement without him there. But I think it was just the fact that he was so good. So for example, besides the fight that he lost, there wasn't no fights that we arguing about with Moreno and Figueredo about what they really won, but they really lost. It was like he was just literally just beating up whatever out of people. You know what I mean? And I think sometimes you could be too good for your own good. We we go into we had an argument with um about DJ all the time, like the the Roy Jones argument. It's like you know y'all said I fought a bunch of nobodies. That's because I made them nobodies. Y'all must have forgot type of a deal. And you know um. One of the arguments in the group used to be, basically, he ain't beat no champions. And it's like, but they would be champions if he didn't exist. You know what I mean? Like, the only reason why they're not champions is because he's better than them (laughs) and he is the champion, right? But if they was there and he didn't exist and they would be champion, he would come in and he would beat them. And I think that was the problem, the reason why they couldn't. Because we know that, especially in America, in America, we like everything fat and out of shape, right? So... You is there's no respect, <laughs> there's no respect for the small guy, and, and combat sports. Where the reality is, I actually enjoy watching the smaller weight classes the most. Yeah, you get your bigger like knockouts and stuff like that in heavyweights, but usually I'm bored until the knockout, or I'm offended at their bellies while they fighting. You know what I mean? Whereas in with the smaller guys, it's usually a lot of action for one is usually more of a chess match. And then there's usually actual skill sets that you see put on display where, you know, you watch a heavyweight fight and they may just lay on each other until the fourth round. And somebody throw one big haymaker than the other person did. It's like, Oh, that was a great fight, but it wasn't a great fight. That was a nice knockout. And uh, so you put all that together. I think the DA just got grossly disrespected. Now 
once he went to one, he was completely off my radar. I've literally never seen a one fight ever. Um, like no Cause fight. Because you are American, and y'all, yes. that's what y'all do. Y'all don't like nobody but America. <laughs> that's right. You know what I'm saying? So, because, yeah, yeah, exactly. Because if he didn't went to Bellator, I would have at least seen one fight. You know, hey. when, when, when Henderson went over there, I said, watch one fight, everybody, but, you know, you can't get two, though. So, I, I, I wanted to say this on DJ, um, to Holiday's point. I kind of agree when he says, you know, it could be too good for his own good. And I think, you know, if we look at now, is this the best DJ we've ever seen? I mean, I think like probably like 2017 DJ is probably like his prime version. So, um, but I do think he's a fighter that has always been so head and shoulders above the division. And I think there's a possibility that he's just a bored fighter. So he's a bored fighter that's found legitimate alternatives to make very good money. And I think at some point that that can get a little bit dangerous when you can make good money off Twitch and your social media and shit like that. You know what I mean? And in the meantime, you're in the fight game because it's what you do, but it's starting to bore you. I mean, you know what I mean? You're taking fucking MMA hybrid rules, uh, Muay Thai fights and shit. So, that I'm not to happy me, that's, with. That, that, that reeks get, of a board fighter, and I think that's a dangerous thing. I got two things to think to call out here. So, like that narrative that he didn't sell fights, right? Like I, every time you better not tell say me, what I'm gonna say, TJ, because last time you took well, so well, much. Just say I it. Say. No, because you. Cause I'm I, gonna let you go next. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's not what you're gonna say, but you, you made me lose my train of thought. So I'll just do it this way. Whenever people tell me he doesn't sell fights i always ask the question well who does and you get the same answers you know back at one point connor gsp connor gsp connor gsp john jones a little bit connor so it's like so if you're telling me that he didn't deserve to be in the ufc because he didn't sell fights but only three people ever sell fights then it's like it doesn't make sense right and at that time when he was making his biggest wave that's when ufc was getting into primetime television it's like the guy was tailor-made for primetime television clean cut well-spoken, friendly, sort of a nerd, can do a Burger King commercial and sell an Xbox. Like, he was designed to headline every Fox or NBC card ever made, right? And then the other element to it is, you know, like like as, as, as Holiday touched on, he beat the top of his division when he was beating them. He beat them soundly, and they then became nobodies. But every single fight up until he left the UFC he had, they, there was always a viral or memeable moment. Like everybody remembers the suplex into the arm bar or like him basically punching, kneeing Henry Suhudo on the stomach and Henry just collapsing into itself, right? It, his, his sort of non-marketability felt 100% personal and petty on the UFC's part. And they're just not willing to have him be the face of their company. Like any major company can sell any, anybody to be their star. Like you don't always have to be the best. They just didn't want to get in business with him. Yeah, no, you didn't say what I was going to say, so that leaves it for me. <laughs> but, no, I, I agree with you 100%. Um, I mentioned before that I think DJ is very, very marketable, and I just think the UFC chose not to do it. But not only that, um, and this goes um, – this was my only thing about what you said, uh, Holiday, when you said, well, he's gone now and look at the division. I'm going to tell you the difference. When he was there, he was the start of 125. It just started. 
it takes a while to develop a division. I don't care what division it is. It takes a while. And they absolutely did not go out and get a slew of talent for 125. So in turn, what you end up seeing was DJ fighting Ian McCall twice, Benavidez twice, John Dotson twice, fighting Henry Cejudo twice. Like, you go down the list, and what ended up happening was because they would not go out, get, and groom new talent, he kept fighting the same dudes over and over again. And although the second time he usually beats them more spectacular, how many times can you be awed at somebody doing the exact same trick, right? Or like, let's take it to another sport. Let's say basketball. Every game is the 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 fucking Lakers versus the Celtics. Now, you know I don't watch basketball right now, so I don't know what each one of them doing. But let's say every game, every night, is the Lakers versus the Celtics. At some point, it's like, I mean, I know there's good guys out here, and one guy on this team may be the best in the world, but I don't want to keep seeing this. What else is there? The difference is when he left, they decided to bring more talent into the division and start grooming more people for the division. That makes a huge difference. It's different when you can go on a big run and have a different look at a different guy. Now, where I will agree with you at is, I think he was so good, he was running through guys, and that gave a chance for him to fight guys more than once. But I don't think any champion in UFC history has fought more fighter, fighters on their title run more than once than he did in the span of which he was a champion. And that, to me, is a knock on the UFC for not going out and bringing the talent in. And once again, you can't say that they're not there because there's a million people over in Asia and I'm talking about the continent, right? Look at what, what one is doing. They're not just going after China or, you know, Singapore, whatever. They're they're grabbing everybody, Thailand, you name it. And we know that there's a slew of guys over there that can make 125 and 135. And the UFC just didn't choose to go and really get that those individuals and bring them in and start grooming people and have them fight before they have a name where they have a chance to build a resume to fight a DJ. That just didn't happen. So, uh, but also, you know, to the point of like what you said with the Twitch thing and, and uh, piggybacking on what you said, TJ, about him just being marketable. I think their, you know, nerd culture has grown a lot. Video game culture has grown a lot. For you to have a guy that's well-spoken in those cultures a personable guy, and then he gives you spectacular wins and you can't market him, you just got to say you suck at marketing or you don't like him. Those are the only two explanations for that. Or, can I add a third one? He should have sure, got not? the Detroit survival guy and then he would have been marketable. <laughs> he went out back then, man. He went out, you know what I'm saying? But Detroit stand up. We did good last <laughs> UFC. Yeah, no, I, I understand everything that you're... Um, you're saying I know that it's clear, but just to be clear for the audience, even though I don't read comments anyway, so people won't be trolling me. I didn't. I'm not saying that he wasn't marketable, even with my statement saying that. You know, I said they said they couldn't market him, and I said they proved it by once they got rid of him, the division got better. But to your point, if you make these different concessions, it is. But you know, they hated him. I mean, he said that he never got any of his belts. So everybody else get a belt every time yeah. they won, and he didn't even know that. 
because he yeah. they never gave him his belt. So they let him know from the front, we hate you. Yeah, exactly. And for those reasons, I can't have that as a knock against you. And that's ridiculous because is there a less hateable fighter than DJ? It makes no sense. Exactly. Like some it's people a, are just like super cool where you're just like, man, why would you have an issue with this person? Like Chell Sonnen. Stop it. <laughs> was it was it the issue though Dana White didn't like uh DJ's manager? What's his name? The guy I guess he's running that one FC right now, right? Yeah, um shoot, what is his name? Um Terrible. We're we're all casual. I'll, I'll think of it right. No, it this what's what's funny is I've used his name multiple times on the podcast, but you know how you get called on the spot on something. It's like, wait a minute, yep. what is his name? It's on the tip I thought, of my tongue too. I sit in my noisy ass chair. Um, yeah, it's. I thought that was the big story, right? Like he Dana White just didn't like that guy and that manager or whatever. So that's kind of DC got the fallout of that. I mean DC, um, DJ got the fallout of that. Yeah, no, I don't remember that, but it's one of those things. I think it's definitely plausible. We know that Dana White definitely, you know, he's probably the, like, if there was a Petty Awards, he would be by far, like, he would be on, like, a a 12, 15-year streak of the title of the Petty Awards. I don't think there's anybody. He'd be the Demetrius Johnson of the Petty Awards. Exactly. I don't think anybody is more petty (laughs) than him. Right when you think you're about to win the Petty Award, Dana White come through with some, uh, you know, some memeable petty. Like a a highlight fucking petty moment. Does that make Jake Paul his Henry Cejudo since Jake Paul beat him? <laughs> Jake Paul is definitely a part of his kryptonite. I think he wakes up at night, in the middle of the night, in a cold sweat, trying to figure out how to beat Jake Paul, and that is hilarious. Yeah, I, I would say this about Dana. Dana should definitely teach classes because I don't know if I ever said this on this podcast or not before, but I think that Conor McGregor, Conor McGregor is like the greatest loser ever, and not in the sense of being a great loser. But he's the person who talks so much stuff you want to see lose so that you can rub it in their face. But somehow, whenever he loses, the way he responds, it don't take away from all his cockiness, the way he do stuff. And it's never a way that you just want to just rub it in his face. Besides the very last one, when, you know, that was like more off character to the way he usually loses. I think Dana White is has that level of responding. Every time he do something that you know, is a thousand percent BS. He always has a response. Just like, come on, guys. I mean, you know it's not BS. And it's like the way he responds, it sounds so plausible. He seems so convinced. Like, you know how a person lies so much they really be lying to themselves. You, but you remember that time? Like, bro, I wasn't there. I know for a fact I wasn't there because I was at my grandma's funeral on this day. Like, no, you was there. He convinced you you was there. <laughs> That's damn what. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think. Um, uh, People like that, that's when you, some people are really like, they just have that from a young age. It's not because they're successful or whatever else. That's really who they are. And then you have people that are completely fake, like Kobe Covington, and it comes off as fake and it comes off as weird, right? But, you know, if you go back and look at like old Conor McGregor stuff way before the UFC and everything like that, he was always super cocky. If you go back and look at early Dana, when he had, you know, he was trying to keep his hair. 
Dana was always an asshole. You know what I mean? So I think certain people like that, that's just you. And then once you get to the top of the heat and you have money, it just magnifies it. And by the way, uh, TJ, Matt Hume is uh, DJ's guy. Did anybody else have any other rebuttals or anything else from that last pound for pound before we get ready to wrap this up? Well, I, I definitely... Oh, go ahead. Um, so, as I was talking about the ridiculousness of having Colby Covington on the pound for pound list, when he ain't beat, like, a top fighter since RDA is what I said in 2018... And I forget who it was uh, said it's because they're not top fighters because he cleaned out the division and, and smashed them. So I checked and I found like that in MMA stats, it has the old rankings. And when he beat Robbie Lawler and Woodley, they were 11, they were ranked 11 and seven and they were both coming off back to back losses. So, this, oh, that that, Those that website not, is completely so he hasn't wrong. They were one and two. <laughs> he hasn't beat a top five fighter since 2018, and we got him on the pound for pound list. Absolutely, like, I get, I get that you're a Colby Covington fan, and that's awesome, and I appreciate that. But at some point, we got to be something realistic. Like he hasn't beat a top fighter in forever. Well, let me say this: your statement was it. Was it what I said as far as um, uh, he cleared out the division? So I didn't say that. But I did say what I did say was (laughs) what I did say, though, was, I mean, he was still fighting. It's not like he was fighting 15 and below to get to the championship. Right. He was still fighting top guys, and then he fought the number one guy, the guy with the belt, twice. That has to go for some. So if you're not fighting the number one guy, then, yeah, you're fighting somebody else in that heap to get you back to that title contention. But what was mentioned, and I'll just point out again, what was mentioned on that was um, during that time, you had a lot of guys holding out, right, or different things that would happen. So, like, Leon Edwards was mentioned. I don't even remember what all happened with Leon Edwards because it was so much stuff. And, it, you know, he kept being called the unluckiest man ever because every time it was time for him to get a title shot, something happened, somebody gets hurt, he gets hurt, or he's waiting for the belt, but then somebody else is fighting for it. So a lot of those guys that wasn't would it be the, there to uh, fight. Wasn't it, the, wasn't it the Modelo situation or Heineken situation as well? Yeah, I think that's that how, was, yeah. That's how Kobe ended up fighting Woodley is because it was supposed to be Leon. Yep. And then first Willie couldn't go over there. Then Leon couldn't go over here. Then Kobe, you know, stepped in there. Um, I'm going to let you keep going, DZ, but to Locke's point, like, you can't really in good faith say Kobe hasn't beaten anyone high level or top five and even five years because he was consensus number two and only person above him was the champion probably for the last four and a half years. And so everybody he's fought, he did them a favor by letting them fight, like by fighting them. You know what I'm saying? And the only person I can, the only person he's lost to is Woolly. Yeah, I think. I mean, that, not Woolly, but uh, Usman. So I, I, yeah. Yeah, and I think, I think that, I think that it's a when you're fighting dangerous guys, even if they're not ranked in the top five, it means something. 
especially guys that are on the on the swing up or on a tick up. So like for example, you know, there's no credit there for fighting Dos Anjos. But Dos Anjos went to 170 and if you remember, all of a sudden he looked like a world beater again and people were talking about him fighting for the title. Right? And then Kobe derailed his train and was the, you know, the person that beat him after him going on that three fight win streak. So I think there's a lot that happens there um, as you're coming to the point of making a name. And most people, unless you're unless you're like a um, a Michael Johnson or, you know, you got some guys that they're going to give every single person in the top 10. They got to fight in order to get to a title. That's not most fighters. Most fighters aren't fighting everybody in the top 10 to get to a title, right? If we go back, like I'll use John Bones Jones. He's a great example to use. How many people did he really beat in the top 10 before he got a chance to fight Shogun for that title? You know, it was off of the Ryan Bader win. Both new guys pretty much in the UFC. The two guys that they were both undefeated, and it was like, okay, one of these guys are going to be the next guy. Let's put them against each other. It wasn't like he had to fight Loyola Machida and Dan Henderson and all these other guys first, and then finally you get to Shogun, right? But now if you get to fight the, the, the guy with the title again, over again, you are fighting a top 10, I mean a top five opponent. So he's fought a top five opponent twice in his last five fights. You can't really knock that. And it's not right. like, once again, the other... The, let me just say this one last thing. I'd like to dive in. And then the other guy that he fought in that in that time was the former title holder that the new champ took it from. You can't knock him for that. I didn't say he didn't fight anybody in the top five. I said he didn't beat anybody in the top five. That's what I said. He hasn't beat a top five opponent since RDA. And how many top five opponents did he fight in that time? Two. Or just, just Usman is the only one. And... He's lost to one person, so that's right. really, and, like, and I get time, it, but that's like a hard knock. <laughs> one time he got his jaw broke, and then the other time he got roughed up pretty good, got a little scrappy at the end, and we count that like it's a good fight. Like, no. I'm not saying, listen, I'm not saying that Kobe Covington is an elite fighter, and I'm not saying he doesn't belong towards the top of the welterweight rankings. I'm just saying... There's too much talent on the rest of the roster to slide him over from the welterweight rankings to the pound for pound rankings when he hasn't beat a top guy in years. And so, now if he beats if he beats George Masvidal, he still will not have beat a guy that was ranked in the top five coming off back to back losses since 2018. What the fuck are we doing, man? Let's make his career great win. again and put he him against a real win. fighter. Yeah, this, this, is this, this is where I'm rolling with Lockett, a couple different things. I think what's funny is, A, I'm still rolling where he's going to lose to Street Jesus. But um, I think what makes it, when you, once again, when you're talking the pound for pound and all that, and not just specifically records, when you look at his fights, right, to your point, you count the Usman fights because if Usman is number one and the last fight they go to a decision, quote-unquote, it was close at, at times, right? But then you look at, like, the Willie fight. He was winning, obviously, but Willie Rib popped out of place. That's how, it, that's how it ended. He lost to Usman before that. He beat Robbie Lawler 
in a decision, unanimous. Dos Anjos decision, unanimous. Damian Maya decision, unanimous. So forth and so on. You keep going. I think a lot of times a win is a win. But I think when you think about stuff, you try you think about these dominant wins. And going back to my point with Max Holloway, and I don't know why I keep forgetting this dude's name, but TJ just say his name because you know his name. But when he beat the brakes off of old dude, if you remember in the last podcast, my point. Calvin Cater. Yeah. My point was when you fight somebody down in competition, you show it, right? And the thing about the, the Kobe joints is, everything is basically going to a decision or he loses. That's, you know what I mean? And I mean, he's got them Tito Ortiz pillow punches, man. He's out there punching with pillows. He's lost to one man. Y'all making it sound like he's just going out here getting beat. He's lost to one man. That's first. I'll go ahead. Let me say this. That's first. He's lost to one man. That's number one. Number two, you have to claim the rankings. It's not like he came out the gate and he was in the top five. He was about to get cut from the UFC. Why? Not because he wasn't winning, but because, and this goes into like what I was saying in the last podcast about um, Antonio McKee, who I loved as a fighter. He's not a today's time spectacular fighter. He's an old school, put the cardio on you, get you on the ground type of fighter. Yes, you're going to see more decisions there, but this is the problem. The same people that will knock somebody else for doing that are the same people that would go and praise GSP for having decision after decision, right? Like, this guy is winning, and it's not like these are close fights. Yes, it's a decision, but they're not close fights. He's really beating guys up. That's number one. Number two, going to the pound for pound. Okay, let's look at the list that's out there. We're really going to say... Dustin Portier is better than him pound for pound. No, Dustin Portier can make that weight. He'll beat the piss out of Dustin Portier. We're really going to say pound for pound Figueredo is better than him? No, absolutely not. We're going to say pound for pound AJ McKee's better than him? No. We're going to say, like, we can go down a list if we're talking about a pound. For, and I'm just looking at Sure Dog's list. We can take anybody's list on here. And what I'm saying I is, even go to, I wouldn't even go pound for pound. Go to the well, UFC current welterweight no, ranking and walk I'm leaving down it that at list. that because that's what that's what we were talking about. But if we go, because I mentioned what you just said, TJ. I mentioned that on the last one. I'm like, well, who's really going to beat him there? But if we we're talking about pound for pound, and we're talking about him being on the list or not being on the list, who of those guys? You're telling me every one of those guys I named. If they were in, if they were one seventy in the same size as Kobe, they beat Kobe. I think Figueroa. Either one of y'all Kobe. can answer. Okay, so we know you're not serious. Okay, so we know you're not serious. So Locke, what do you I, have I to do, say? I, no, no, I want to respond to that because okay, I do think that Figueroa will beat um, Kobe. We know that Kobe's going to come, and he's going to basically try to wrestle him down and beat him up. Right? If I'm taking. Figueredo's actual skill set and I'm bringing him up to his size or vice versa, whichever one, I'm making them the same size, but theoretically I'm keeping the same skill set, speed, movement, and everything like that. I believe that, A, that Kobe doesn't punch hard enough. I think that Figueredo showed that he can take a punch. I think that he can give a punch. He can give him in concession. And I think that he would move around enough to put a win over Kobe. I honestly believe that. 
So, so what high caliber wrestler? Be I, I don't either. But what high caliber wrestler have you seen Figueredo beat? Uh, I don't know. No. Okay, so that that that's null and void because that's a part, a big part of his game. So unless you saw him go up against somebody at his weight class, like maybe a Henry Cejudo or somebody like that, and you saw him one, how can you really say that when you're talking about him going up against a very high level wrestler with insane cardio? Because so we're Kobe's talking about def- styles at this point. Hello, 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 like, hello. We ain't throwing lifelines now. I want, I want him to answer this question. <laughs> Well, the reason why is because I believe just like um, just like uh, Izzy, not in the fight that he lost when he stayed down, but Izzy did enough to not stay down in his last fight, right, against Whitaker. I wanted to try to bring him down and whatever else. I don't think you have to be a great wrestler to be able to keep yourself from being sit down. And I think that he could put enough damage on Kobe to get Kobe out of there versus Kobe just holding him down. Yes, I don't have the necessary proof because it's like to your point, I can't say, well, he fought Cejudo and look what he did to Cejudo, but he didn't fight Cejudo. Yeah, but the difference is with Izzy, we can name wrestlers that he fought and couldn't do that. That's why I asked you first. What do you mean, you mean he couldn't do that? We can name wrestlers and grapplers that he fought that couldn't take him down or keep him down in his weight class. You're talking about Kobe. No, I'm talking about Izzy because he named Izzy and he used that example. But I'm saying we can look at that. So now we can compare how he would do against a grappler. If you haven't seen Figueredo go up against a high level grappler, you don't know how he's going to do. So it's hard to even say that. I would almost argue Figueredo's biggest issue with the Brandon Moreno fight was the fact that Brandon could grapple. And in the first fight, it forced Figgy to stick to a straight up striking contest. Because every time you got close, you know, Brandon would initiate the grapple. In the second fight, Brandon exhausted him with the grapple. Like he, you know, yes, it was a bad wake up, but he exhausted him with the grapple. In the third fight, Figgy, basically every punch that Brandon landed, Figgy like literally shied and ran away from him. And every grappling exchange, his whole focus was like, get away from him as quick as possible because I don't want to get choked out. I think when you weigh those in and if you were to put his skill for skill set to somebody like Kobe, Kobe chokes him out within the first two rounds. Um, I also think that, like, when we talk about Kobe not beating anybody in the top five um, of the current welterweight uh, rankings, you got to look at the top five of the current welterweight rankings didn't even exist. Like, they weren't even in the top five. I don't even know if they were in the top ten when he first fought Usman, right? And the hardest fights Usman has had through his entire career other than the time he tapped when he was like one fight in has been Kobe like Kobe's the only person that's potentially arguably won strong rounds against him or put him in made him fight a war everything else like when people talk about Usman being a born fighter and stuff it's because he's like literally he can impose his will in just about every position in the cage except for Kobe Kobe anytime he fights Kobe it's a straight up battle you know what I'm saying so I don't know I just think I might not be a fan of Kobe as a person. I just think it's it's really hard to argue he's anything but the number one welterweight, not ranked, not champion welterweight in the world. And I think he does belong in that pound for pound list. I don't have him in my list because I don't like him, but it is what it is. Locke, so I know you've you been waiting. Hold like, on, wait, oh, wait, I'm wait, sorry. wait. Because I know Locke been waiting for a minute. Well, no, well, because for the record, uh, 
I'm not talking about top five guys now. When he fought them, they weren't top five. When he fought Robbie Lawler, Lawler was 11. So that's, I'm just saying. And what and was then, he ranked? Uh, I think he was two. He was two and Lawler was 11. I, I, could, I could go check it again. Yeah, because both of those, him him and Woodley, he was fighting down. So he was ranked high because RDA was ranked one and he beat him. And then Lawler was 11 and then Woodley was seven at that time. But I I do want to say, I definitely think, what's that? And a former champion. Because there's a lot of things we know that go at play. I'm just saying, they at at play when you're trying to get a top five fighter and they were coming off back to back losses. So they when you're trying like, to get a title shot in the UFC, there's a bit of a game that you play. And one of those things is beating a former champion. But go ahead. No, Colby's definitely a top five welterweight. You're disrespecting him. You try to make – I know what you – you're going to have one of them hats in a minute to say, make Russia great again. I know what you're trying to do over there. Go ahead, Holiday. I know you was trying to jump in before something, but we I had stop, cut lock stop, off. Stop, and then it stop saying going. that name because you're going to get us demonetized. Stop saying, <laughs> stop saying that name. I, I actually forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> you were gonna, you were gonna make a point. You were gonna make a point about me saying that I don't have him on my list because I'm not a fan, and partially it's really because I never got through that number six to ten spot, and I kind of forgot who I had listed. But I feel like he was in my like probably number ten in that list. But yeah, I'll say you this while you're thinking. While you're thinking, Holiday, I'll say this. Um, I don't like Kobe Covington either. I absolutely don't like him whatsoever as a person. I think he's fake. I think he's a a real piece of crap in a lot of ways. But one of the things that I'm always able to do in, in this realm of combat sports is I separate out. Um, TJ, can you mute for a second? I separate out, um, you know, what what I think about a person and their skill level, especially when I'm comparing different people. And I think, you know, Kobe Covington, because of who he is, it makes a lot of people hate him. And I think the hate always makes you downgrade or downplay a fighter. But when we're looking at skill set, you know, for his size, the amount of cardio he's able to put on people at that at that weight class and everything, his wrestling, his chain wrestling, those things, the, the way that he puts it together, there's very few people in my belief, in the UFC, period, that can put up with that. And I definitely don't see if we're just going skill for skill when we're looking at the people that are on the pound-for-pound list. Once again, I named several guys that I think he would absolutely destroy. And, you know, I don't see in any way, form, or fashion somebody saying skill for skill if him and Portier was the same size that Dustin Portier would beat him. Whether he's going up or Portier, I mean, whether Portier is going up or he's going down. So once again, I named several people. Take one off the list and put them on. You know, and I'm not saying literally you have to do for that for your list, but I'm saying if we're really looking at that, that's the way that you have to look at it. Pound for pound, would this person beat him? And I, I say no. I think he beats a lot of those guys on the list. Put some respect on his name. <laughs> okay. I have Boye at nine. Yeah, yeah. Anybody else got anything? Holiday, you look like you may have remembered what you were going to say. 
No, I didn't remember what I was going to say at all, but <laughs> I do remember at the beginning of this lock set, he didn't get a chance to say his top 10. And I was actually kind of curious to his top 10. Just so y'all know, I didn't say my top 10 because I don't have one. I don't believe in anything past five in any sport. Um, So I'll never go past five in, in a sport, unless we're talking literally all time. That's a little different. But if you're talking currently, once you get past five, it's like, what's the point? Anybody can be there. But anyway, go ahead. Disrespectful. <laughs> go ahead, Locke. You want to run off? You got your top 10 in front of you by chance? Yeah, I'll, I'll read them off. I won't give you the TJ dissertation. I'll just read them off real quick. <laughs> uh, I got I had Usman, Stylebender, Oliveira, Nganu, Volkanovski. Those were the f- top five that I covered. Then I got Holloway at six, Peter Jan, Gaethje, Poye, and Stipe. Okay, who are you and what have you done with Locke? Because I didn't see BJ Penn on that list anywhere. I don't know who you are. I need my co-host back. <laughs> That's why I don't argue about the max losses, because if we're going to start saying, well, Holloway, Holloway really won those losses, then we could retract BJ's career back, and I'll flip over a couple of those decisions that changes the whole trajectory. He's well, the pound-for-pound pound number one still to this day. Well, well see, this is the I thing. Mean, he definitely we, is uh, – he- Sorry, but I just want to throw this in. I let you go, TJ. We kind of did that in in the in the Fallen Goat series. I'm pretty sure we took back at least five of BJ Penn's losses. But anyway, go ahead, TJ. <laughs> it won't be funny. Now it was a mean joke. I was gonna say he can't defeat his local uh, Hawaiian bouncer. So I don't know if we can call him pound for pound. But <laughs> it was only it would only been funny at that exact moment. Now it's just beating, you know, punch it down. It's almost like I'm trying to be Kobe according to Locke here. <laughs> he did no, lean I... in close on the mic for that one. Uh, yep. Don't don't do it. Don't do it. But uh no, I think um I think everybody actually made some um some good points in general. Can I can I ask one more question? Yeah, I think you've got to wrap it up with just one Go more ahead. question. Go ahead. If Khabib if Khabib was still uh an active fighter, where would he be on y'all list? It's the problem. I'm not. I've always had a love hate relationship with Khabib in the the sport of MMA, and as everybody know, in the beginning I was like almost zero percent a Khabib fan, but then he kept winning, and that made it hard not to be a fan. The problem is going back to there's a few things that really, really uh, catapults me, you know catapults fighters in my eyes um you know who you beat is a big factor beating old legends is a big factor your streak is a big factor and my problem with Khabib is it's like everybody wanted to make him number one in everything and he didn't have a number one caliber resume um you know to me that was a a big factor you know so where would I have him? I would probably have him somewhere between three and five. Yeah, I'd still have him behind Usman and Stylebender. Yeah, it'd be um, it'd be hard because if he was still fighting, he would have to fight Usman, right? Um, no, they're two different weight if classes. He didn't, if he didn't duck Usman, <laughs> no, if he didn't <laughs> retire before people asked him to move up. So, if every time Usman's name was brought up, he just act like he couldn't speak English. <laughs> so Usman's 170, he was 55. So he would have had to fight. He pretty much fought 
everybody, everybody. there. Yeah, he would have had to fight Oliveira. Because they, they, you know, Oliveira becoming the, the guy now. Yeah. That's who he would have had to fight. That still brings up a good point because if you remember on my list, I have uh, Oliveira 3. So that would have to be good because to your point, my problem with Khabib is not if he's good or not. Because I think he has, um, obviously I think he's good and he did what he did. But when you're the champion, I need to see you really defend your belt um, on a nice run because we know at that point you're getting everybody's best shot. So if you kind of do, so let's rewind. I'm, I'm on my lock on this one. Right. So he beat Connor, which everybody on this podcast know how I feel about Connor as a fighter. I enjoy watching him fight. I feel like uh, and it's easy to say now because he's just been on whatever losing streak. But I feel like a lot of his fights was always just tailor made for him. Right. And then I think Mm -hmm. the Khabib was literally the complete opposite. That was a fight that was tailor made, not for him. You know what I mean? But props to him because I don't think that he literally would back down from anyone as far as Connor fighting. Um, but you got that um, going into your Dustin Poirier fight. I mean, fight uh, point of early. You know, he fought Dustin Poirier, and uh, I think you had brought up Michael Johnson earlier. You said he has to fight everybody. Michael Johnson almost had him, and then he just didn't. <laughs> but. Uh, that is Michael Johnson. Me, like that's his entire career. <laughs> I almost had him. Let me, say, like, th- let me throw one thing in. I'm gonna let you finish, but I want Locke to do something because I don't know where he was looking. Can you pull up for me, Khabib? And I want to know the top five that he was fighting on his way to the title. Oh, I would have to look at it because I had to. I had to go get the dates. I couldn't do that real quick. It take me. A I'm, I'm gonna look oh, at I thought it was like a, I thought it was a list. Quick. Well, now, I know his record is one of those things, though, because he had something yeah. that would show where they were ranked at at the time. Because it's just one of those oh. things. I, I know he wasn't fighting the yeah. number one, I was going to say, two, I can get that for you, but road. it would be very few of them. Um, he wasn't fighting a lot of top guys on his way up. And I mean, that's even, my, to that's, win, I mean, even to yeah. win the belt, he beat Iaquinta. Exactly. And that, that was my point to the whole Kobe thing. You usually don't. Unless you're Michael Johnson or somebody like that, you don't get those guys until you get to the belt, in my opinion. But Holiday, I know we all cut you off, so I want you to finish. But I was I wanted him to look that up while you were talking, but I thought it was easy to look up. Yeah, no, I think that your point uh or the questions you asked was a good point or the point that I was basically walking down was if he kept going on his run, then you have to adjust a lot, right? But the fact that he, quote-unquote, quit at the top, it makes his legend seems bigger, right? Because it's like, he this, this, this. And it wasn't like he just won those fights. Going back to my point of earlier, I think that when you're fighting people, and or any sport, no matter what the sport is, and you're, quote-unquote, going against lesser competition, you need to put that gap. And I think he did put that gap in front of the people's that he was fighting, but you will want to see that run continue to really know where he would be. And I think the Oliveira thing is a good thing because at the time, I probably wouldn't have said Oliveira, but now I don't know. Going back to my point of last week, Oliveira just really, even though he's not a new fighter, something about him just seems like he's on a new fighter's run. And I'm actually excited to see kind of more of what Oliveira got up his sleeve going forward. 
Yeah, no, good point. And, um, you know, I really like Oliveira as a fighter. Um, my belief is, if you want me to be honest, he probably could move up another weight class, especially if he, you know, do at just a small amount of weight training. Because he's, he's still a um, he's still not a big guy for for 55, um, you know. Um, I think he could probably move up another weight class and with the tools that he has – especially if he can, you know, go up against, because once you get to 170, it's wrestling central, it's heavy. If you can, you know, go up against some of those bigger wrestlers, I think he could be really dynamic because I think his skill set is one that you don't have a lot of at 170. And I think it would cause a lot of people some problems. But uh, just to your Khabib point and to what uh, what you were saying, TJ, about, you know, when we look at Khabib and this is just going to the Kobe point again, I'll just run off a few of them before he got to the title shot. Abel Trujillo, uh, if everybody remembers him, I don't think he's ever cracked the top 10. Pat Healy, actually Pat Healy is one of those fighters that I would say is he it was when I talked about dangerous fighters. I like Pat Healy, he's a dangerous fighter, but he wasn't a, anywhere near a top five guy, but I think it was a dangerous fight. Uh, Dos Anjos. Uh, Daryl Hoysher, I don't even know who that is. Michael Johnson, and so then at that the time, Ma- Michael Johnson was ranked seven. Mm-hmm. And um, Barbosa was after that. He was, four. and then we had Al Quinta. And Al, if I'm not mistaken, um, he was ten. Yeah. So it, you know, you just look at that that run. He wasn't beating top five guys, but to the point of what I was saying with Kobe. A lot of those guys were still dangerous. Barbosa was dangerous. Michael Johnson was dangerous. Um, Dos Anjos was still dangerous. I think, although most people, unless you are an actual MMA fan, you probably don't know who Pat Healy is, but he was a dangerous guy. I'm just saying, on that title run, that's usually what you get because there's a path to the title. And part of that, and that's where you have your Dos Anjos is in there, Part of that is beating an old champion. Exactly what I mentioned that Kobe did. Now, once you can get the title, you start beating those top five guys because those are who are next in line for the title shot. And I think that's what you're going to see if you look up most champions. If you want to give a guy a hard path to the championship, you you uh, give them the, the Michael Johnson formula and you have them, you know, killers that he fought in a row this guy literally fought, where is it at? Justin Gaethje, Khabib, Portier, Nate Diaz, Darius, Barbosa, and Galar all in a row. That is, that's crazy, <laughs> you know? So there, there are paths to the title. So that was the only reason why I was making that point because that's what you're going to see for most guys to get that quick path to the title. Does anybody remember, so... That answers all of my questions. Then again, I'll let you wrap this one up. But does anybody remember who he was supposed to fight before the Al Alaquinta fight for that championship? The Blade. I do not. It was Connor, right? Was That's it? why Connor showed up in Brooklyn and threw the. Uh, wasn't it Connor was injured or some BS happened? It was he threw the. To be uh, Oh, it was Tony yeah, Ferguson. Yeah, it was Ferguson. Okay. Yeah, it was Ferguson. Yeah, it yep. was. It was Ferguson. So I said the blade. And at that time, 
There you go. I, I couldn't. I didn't know if he was talking about Wesley Snipes. And or then what. it was um, Holloway, and then Holloway <laughs> didn't clear the medicals. I still think I still want to see that Holloway fight, but so at that point, to like the 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 what Dale just broke down, Ferguson was going to be essentially his hardest test to date. That didn't happen, so it was Al. Al probably gave him one of the more competitive fights he's ever had, and at that point, Al was borderline a journeyman and sort of a real estate agent he just knew how to wrestle right so it was like damn um and then you got conor mcgregor who and was nobody gave a, him a shot at all in that fight at all but he kind of he did his job and then you got conor mcgregor who at that point was literally like again off on a coke binge but he just came in um then it was dustin poirier who was a journeyman at 145 made waves at 155 but wasn't quite there and then the most real like threat that we thought Khabib was going to have was Gaethy and he tapped him out and then he left. So it's like he had a really hell of a run in a career, but similar to like how I look at Connor with his belts, it's like, you didn't really truly stake your claim as the King of that mountain. And given, I, I respect the fact that he got out, you know, all BS aside, he got out cause he was dealing with personal issues and everything else, but he's still what under 33. He's a healthy young man. He can come back and take that Usman fight or come back and fight for the belt if he wanted to. But I just don't like, when you look at his legacy 10 years from now and there are more dynamic fighters with longer title defenses, I, I do feel like he's likely going to fall to the wayside, right? Like people talk about like, yeah, he was great, but they won't have a long catalog to run, you know, to, to lean into, right? And I do think that like as fighters, whether MMA or boxing, people fall in love with that whatever number in O. But it's like, I think fans and true fans remember the wars and the battles and the fact that you kept coming back and defending it, you know, your, your fight yourself. Rather. I think that his, that's all I got to say for the rest of the podcast. I'm out. I think that his popularity is all I'm saying. Let's go. I think his popularity came more the fact that he beat Connor and Connor was popular. Um, That's when everybody really started hitting him with the, he's the goat and nobody can be him. And it, and I, and it's because people had a false perception of what Connor was. And then, Going back to my cracking and facking uh, things of earlier, you know, a lot of people are like what we used to call ESPN watchers. And ESPN didn't know nothing but Connor. So if you listen to ESPN, Connor was literally the greatest fighter who's ever lived perpetually, meaning now and forever going forward. So then once he beat Connor, it was like, and and people mind, he has to be the greatest of all time because he beat Connor decisively. You know what I mean? And what's crazy is, uh, didn't he fight Nate Diaz too, though? But he didn't even, Nate Diaz didn't even get that when he beat Connor, which is like, well, he went up, but they had the same weight class. So now it was like, oh, okay, well, he got to be great because he beat Connor. But to your point, we know that, quote unquote, it's easy to get to the belt, it's harder to defend it and really go on that run, which is why people like John Jones and all of them always get more respect for me. And the reason why Connor doesn't get, Respect is not the right word. I don't. I don't value his titles because he didn't defend them. Yeah, no, that all that made sense. And this is what I'll say for the masses. I definitely agree with you, Holiday. But for fight fans, and once again, I know even going back to our group, there were a lot of people that were big on Khabib damn near you know two fights into the ufc and you know he came in with a big name he was with one of the you know biggest name camps at that time aka uh you know for people that don't know aka they had many 
champions in in the in the UFC, although they're much smaller than like, let's say like a American Top Team or something like that. They probably had more champions. Uh, they had DC, they had Khabib, they had um, Kane, they had uh, um, why do I always forget his name? Uh, the the pretty boy model uh, at eighty five. Um, somebody give me his name. Luke Rockhold. Luke Rockhold, yeah. So they, they had like a slew of champions, and quite a few of these guys were champions all at the same time. And so he was of out of that camp and of that pedigree. And one of the benefits you get when you come from a big camp like that, there's conversations that happen, especially if that camp is one that's liked by the UFC, where they can put you on a fast track and really put your name out there. And for people, for some reason, there are some people that don't believe that that happens. But um, if you go back to the fight that just happened with Ngannou and and, uh, Surreal Ghan, um, Surreal's trainer, um, the same one that originally brought Ngannou in, he talked about openly that when he was bringing uh, Surreal Ghan over to the UFC, and talking to top brass, they asked him, they said, how do you want us to push this guy? He said, I want you to push him as fast as you can. I want you to push him like we did in Gano. That's how he got to the title so fast. So when you've already shown that you can bring certain guys through and you have a certain relationship, there's a very different path to that title shot or to getting a big name and the UFC will push you. So I know I've said things like that in the past or in our groups. And for some reason, people don't believe that that's true, even though this is a whole business. But you can go back and listen to uh, Surreal Gans trainer, the interviews that he did leading up to that fight. And he talks about it on more than one occasion. So just saying that to say, Khabib, if you're a, a true MMA fan, Khabib was a big name and people were were putting a badge on you know, putting the belt around him way before he had the belt. And I was one of those people in the group that just, I just didn't see what other people saw. And I still don't see it. But is he one of the best ever? Absolutely. I still got to go with what you were able to do in the UFC, how you were able to control things and all that has a merit. Anything else before we wrap this up? Uh, next episode, where are uh... We'll, we'll rank Eli Quinta on the list of pound for pound realtors. <laughs> oh, man, you got issues. Okay, I do want to say one thing before we wrap it up. It was something that um, it don't actually have anything to do with the pound for pound list. But I touched on earlier um, in Asia how the weight classes work. But. I really like what one did with their weight classes. I want to run that down really quick. And then if anybody has anything to say about it, you can say it and then we'll wrap it up. But as I told you all, you got to basically add 10 pounds to the weight class. So they actually start off at a uh, straw weight, 125, flyweight, 135, bantamweight, 145, featherweight, 155, lightweight, 170, welterweight, 185, middleweight. This is where it gets really interesting to me. Middleweight, 205. Light heavyweight, 225. 
and then heavyweight 265. And the reason why I bring that up, I think this is a much better structure. And this is what people have been calling for in the UFC for a long time, going back to the, the JDS, Junior Dos Anjos. One of the things that people always said was the problem was he was very much one of those in-between guys. He was a little too big for 205, but he was really too small for those big heavyweights. And everybody said if we had a 220-225 pound weight class, he would be a dominant champion, and I believe that. So, other than me wrapping it up, any comments or anything on that? Okay. Well, this has been a, a great episode of Fat Boy MMA Podcast. I know on this podcast, I threw a couple of jokes out there and everything as we're talking about some of the Russian fighters, but in light of what is going on right right now in the world, we do send out prayers to both Russia and um and the Ukraine. Uh, hopefully this thing can get resolved quickly and, you know, we have as minimal people as possible impacted. Once again, thank you for listening to the Fat Boy MMA podcast. Come back again. That wraps up another Fat Boy MMA podcast. If you have a topic for us, please email us at fatboymma55 at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media by going to links dot fatboymma.com that's links dot fatboymma.com thank you for listening